Well, hey there, and welcome to Live It Out, a podcast here at Centenary Church in Lexington, Kentucky, about faith and the 21st century. What does it mean to live as followers of Christ in a post-Christian society today? Each week, we're going to have the amazing opportunity to talk with people across the globe who are committed to walking through this life with Jesus and hear their thoughts and experiences of the Christian life in an ever-changing and hurting world. We hope that this encourages you and helps you in any way. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this week's episode. Welcome to Live It Out. I'm James Williams, and we are so glad you joined us for the podcast today. We talk about things that are happening in the church, and we talk to some really great world leaders in the church. And today, I'm sitting with four people that I have a great amount of respect for. Not only do they do ministry in this place, but I get to work with them pretty consistently and watch their hearts at work. And they are all either Gen Xers or Millennials. We'll find out in a minute which one they actually are. So um, I'm going to just talk uh, candidly today about what's happening in the church and how we can actually reach people for Christ in ways that we might sometimes think we can't do in the church. But old paradigms and new paradigms are some things that church leaders are going to have to begin struggling with more than we already have. The church is changing. Our message hasn't changed. We know that that God is the same always. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we do need to be careful about how we get that message out. And young people today are turning away from the church. They're very spiritual, but they're looking for answers. They're looking for the truth, and they're looking for people in the church who've been around the church and in the church and Christians for many years to be who they say they are. They want to believe that, but we've not always done well with that. So uh, we have with us today um, Chris Sparks, who is in our communications team here at Centenary. And Chris, how, how old are you? I'm 32. 32. Okay, so you're getting up there. All right. Yeah, and, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, and, and Claire Hart is with us. She works with our student ministries team here. And you're how old, Claire? I'm 25. I'm almost 26. Okay, all right, for all yeah. intents and purposes. Yes, all intents and You're 26. Yes. And we have our Grammy Award winning worship leader. <laughs> Uh, one of them. We have many worship leaders here, but uh, yes. ladies and gentlemen, Spencer Berrios is with us today. Hello. How old are you, Spencer? I am 26, going on 27. Yes, little, I would agree with that. Little, uh, You're, you've grown. Pop and, culture throw out for all our, our boomers, I guess. Sound of Music came out when? In the Yeah, it's been, it's been old. It's wow. it's been old for a long time. <laughs> hey, that's my that's my pop culture reference yeah. for. Do you know any song? Do you know any of those songs? Oh, I know music? almost all of them. My mom made me watch that like all the time growing up. That was like her favorite thing. Okay, you're gonna so sing, we, you're gonna sing. We some definitely. That's the twenty. I am sixteen, going on seventeen. <laughs> yeah, I know it. I know it. That's why he's a great. Okay, one. all right. Jimmy, 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 struggling. <laughs> Jimmy struggling to get the mic away from uh, Spencer right now. Okay, he's got it. All right, and uh, Jimmy Roper is with us, and he's also on our student ministries team. And um, I love his heart so much. Jimmy, how old are you? You're, now, let me say before you tell us, you're actually a grandfather. <laughs> I am. Okay, I am so how old are you? Yeah, I am a 33-year-old grandfather. Okay. Yeah, and right. I'm going on 10. 
Nice. If you really look at my brain. So. And you're a good one, yeah. too. I wish you were my grandfather. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got, got Pap all over here. Aww. Love yeah. it. That's Pappy. Well, you know, this is a this is a good group of folks, though, because you guys, I, when I talk about you all and your ministries, and I mean it when I say it, is that you're on the front lines of ministry. I'm 53, so I'm in a generation of folks who appreciate old paradigms. And uh, and I minister mainly to people who are even older than that. And so when I do the church thing, um, it's almost just natural for me. A lot of what I do comes out of my walk with Christ, but I've been taught some paradigms that are just – Frankly, they've been around a long time. And I think it's also important to say that those paradigms do draw people to Christ. Um, they, they allow life transformation. But I think there's a growing number of younger people out there. And I'm, I am speaking mainly about um, uh, Generation X and millennials who are saying, that's all great, but you're missing some targets with us. What do you guys think some of those targets are right now in the church? Because you you actually know people, I know, who said, ah, I'm glad that's great for you, but I don't think I'm interested in the church, right? Mm-hmm. Don't all speak at once. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's important to point out Spencer does have the mic again. So. <laughs> oh and I'm pretty sure he's about to sing his answer. <laughs> Um, so where do you guys see him? I think my my first thought with that is there is this established, especially with millennials and below, there's this established thing in that generation that just questions everything. Yeah. Um, like you said, old paradigms, things that have been established. I mean, the modern era, if you would call it, we are now in the postmodern era if you want to get technical. Um, but the modern era was... A, a place where a lot of what American Christianity and culture was set up on business, um, economy, uh, and then even religion falls into that as well. And it, we see that in the church. Um, you see very structured in, in a more traditional worship service. You see a very structured, we do these things, we have these things, whether it's sacraments or just different um, aspects of service of, of what you do that are very meaningful to that generation. And I mean... You even see like people sitting in pews. Um, the old, the, the joke is that, you know, you're going to come in and sit in the exact same spot every, every, every week. And sometimes your spot in the pew has become your spot in the pew. Um, and then you go to a contemporary, um, worship service and you might see just a whole mess of different things. Um, you'll see different things bi-weekly like one things that you do in a service on one week might not be the same things you do in the service and so i think with the generational gap there is this big thing of why and um the phrase that i hear a lot um is well that's the way we've always done it well you you do these things this way and so with our generation there's just this switch of but why and i think that young people in that aspect stop you know, being a part of these churches or church services or not wanting to engage in that anymore is because there isn't a clear reason. And so if they don't see the reason of why they're doing it, 
then it's just, okay, well, then I'm going to go find something else that I can put reason behind. And that that big question, the one-worded question of why is so, so big with millennials and below. Like, yeah, I think the why right now is it's like bold letters stamped all over everything for those generations. And, and I didn't say this earlier, Spencer, but you're our pastor to young adults. So you're actually in this mix too, in a really important way. And you said something that I've always heard is the, the famous last words of the church. And that's, um, we've never done it that way before, or we've all always done it that way. And so we're dealing with a group of people, I think, and, and this is for any of you to answer. And you guys probably really see it too, Claire and Jimmy, and your work with our with our college uh, kids and our middle schoolers and high schoolers, they, they don't want to do it the way it's always been done. And there's, is there anything wrong with that? Well, um, I think I could talk on this for a long time. The first thing that comes to my mind though, is time. Um, our students and myself included, we are uh, very involved generation. Um, so our students, if they're going to come to something, they do, they need to understand the reason as to what, like, how is this going to benefit me? Um, and I've also seen this clear distinction of them wanting, um, for lack of better terminology, just to be able to understand like what's different for me to come to this event versus this event. And, um, yeah, like, like their minutes are so, so precious to them. And because they've got schoolwork, they've got whatever they're involved. I mean, they're involved in so much, maybe um, over-involved if we could even talk about that, but uh, their minutes are really, really special to them. And so for students, if they're going to come to something, they need to understand why it's important to them to be able to come if they're going to make it a priority in their life. And so I think that they've felt um, robbed a little bit because they've come to things before and maybe it's they don't understand how how, what's the purpose in the, to my own spiritual development or my own life or my own community? It just, uh, it feels almost like violating to their, to their schedules. Um, and I know that sounds really, um, like trivial, but at the same time, it, it does make sense to. No, it's really not trivial because that, that's amazing to me. I think about that a lot because these kids have so many options. Mm -hmm. I mean, more options than any other generation in our history, but they don't even have to have options to try to have to make a choice. Am I going to go to this event? Am I going to be in the church? Am I going to be in this community with other young people who are struggling with their faith and, and, and growing in their faith? But, it could be just their phone they want to be with instead of you guys, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they even now with, you know, COVID and the pandemic, they've even a lot of times have the option to just join in via their phone. So they're like, well, what what is the reason behind me, you know, either getting my parents to drive me across town um, or to go there versus going to one of my practices or doing something for school or, you know, we're working pr primarily with middle and high school and college students. So they've got lots of obligations, but if I could just join in on my phone, that's way more efficient. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to join in there because, well, that's going to save me minutes to get all my other things done. And so if they don't understand the reason behind why, why they're coming to me in person, why they're, what's, what's the difference here versus heck my leadership club that I'm in at school, aren't they the same thing or are no. they different? So I think, I don't know, it brings up Jimmy, I'm, I'm curious your perspectives. I'm putting you on the spot. 
I think I I have to agree uh, with her. I think that one of the things that we see when it comes to students and coming to church, I mean, they've seen their parents go through it. They've seen their entire life that like, oh, wow, like I've been forced to do something. Now I have the option to literally do what I want to do. And now that they have that option and now they, I mean, if we really look at it, we want to be honest, we're looking at a very isolation, isolated culture right now. And, you know, everybody's looking at their phones. I mean, (laughs) we go grocery shopping by our phones. We can order food by our phone. Everything is by phone now. And it's like, why would I even want a face-to-face interaction? So I think that one of the things that's like pushing students away from the church is that it's it's not something that's attracting them that makes them want to come and i don't think it's a coincidence that like our trips are the ones that like exceed the numbers that we see on a wednesday night or you know something like that and um i think that's because they they attract that but on the opposite side of that i think that we are coming back to that because i feel like the generation is seeing something like oh we're we're missing something there's something that we're missing and i feel like we're coming back to that slowly but surely of just like wanting that face-to-face interaction yeah and i think you're you're right that attractional piece is is more important than ever and and you know my colleagues other pastors and and church leaders sometimes you'll talk with them and they'll they'll say well you know do we really want to be attractional is that what this is all about and and my answer is always it has to be healthy it has to to be within i think the par- the parameters of scripture but um the fact is is the new testament actually said yeah it needs to be attractional um you know jesus said go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in now compelling ministry is going to be attractional um now some of that some of that compelling aspect is the fact that we're being uh, kind and and we're non-judgmental and we are loving people into the kingdom uh, while telling them the truth Uh, but i do think that you're exactly right that attractional piece is not a bad thing it just has to be balanced well and i would also say with sort of coming out of covid a lot of times you know younger people are are desperate for community and they want a a space now especially where they can connect with their friends not just on their phones but you know together and so i think a large portion of this and and we've seen this in in the young adult group is there's this this need of a safe space where i can come and i can be me and that's okay where i can ask questions you know you know there there is that mystery of faith that i think that we can all identify with because we've all been there. And so when people come in, whether it's a young person or even a person who's, you know, a little older, they, they might have questions. They might have things that they're struggling with. And, And so I think one of the challenges that we have as church leaders is creating that safe space for people to feel comfortable coming to us in the first place beyond you know, an entertainment value that is, is there, um, uh, there needs to be a place where people feel like it's okay to be who I am. It's okay to be me. And, and I think that kind of Jimmy, what you were touching on is we're seeing that we're starting to see that desire come more and more. Like I just, I I'm struggling. I have questions. I, have heard stories of the church that were positive or negative. 
And I, I need to know this for myself, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's a lot of where the mystery of faith comes in. Yeah, that's absolutely true, Chris. And I, and I want to keep talking to you for just a second because <clears throat> it's, I think your perspective is important, and it's really kind of fascinating to me. Now, we're, got, we're not going to name names here today, but I know that before you came to join our team at Centenary, you actually pastored a church that yeah. was in this eclectic, artsy, yes. diverse community. I yes. mean, it's it's just a it's a great place. And, that's and, that's and, a nice way of putting that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it is. I mean, there are all kinds yes. of interesting things. There are all kinds of hard things about that community too, and mm-hmm. it's in a large city. Yeah. Um, so you tried to do the the good seminary thing that you were taught to do and figure out mm-hmm. uh, how to do ministry in your context. Yeah. But like we do in the church, a lot of times that was not met with a lot of excitement by the the current members of the church because they really wanted to they wanted young people to come in i think right but they wanted those young people to come in on their terms right yeah yeah the current I, membership yeah no a hundred percent and um I, I think a lot of that particular culture in that church um when i came in we we had a different perspective on things even how we study scripture when we would study scripture together those things would come out and so essentially what they wanted in terms of bringing a young generation in is to accept this sort of non-traditional form of Christianity. And so there's this battle, I would say, between, you know, what's perception, and what's what's reality. Um, and so for this for this particular context, when a young person came in, well, this is who we are and this is how we are. But the struggle was, um, we want you to be more like us. Yeah, and it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't about getting to know them for who they are. It was the only way you're going to benefit here is if you look like us, if you think like us, if we believe what, if you believe what we want you to believe. And that, that story plays out every single week. It's so, in every, it's in yeah. every, yeah. In the, so many local churches, because 100%. you're exactly right. I want to come back to something you said just a minute ago, that we do want people to come to us as they are. Yes. We want to accept people as they are. The yeah. fact is, is there's no way that we're going to see life transformation. There's no way we're going to see Jesus do anything in anyone's life yeah. until we connect with people and say, we love you right now. Yeah. We're not loving you for what we want you to be. So, yeah, that's good stuff. Spencer? Yeah, uh, just commenting on that, I think th- that's a very big key point there because scripturally what Jesus did was he did want – people to come to him. So in that aspect, yes, it is right. And I think one of the big driving forces to where, and I see this a lot in the people I talk to at the well, um, which is our our young adults ministry, um, is that every single person has some kind of experience with Christianity, the church, Jesus in some form. There isn't a single person. There isn't anybody who comes into our doors. And we've had a lot of just random people come in and just be like, hey, I was sitting on uh, my phone. I typed in young adult ministries and found it on the website. Like, that's what I mean by random. Like, people are just finding our ministry and coming. But not a single person has never heard anything about church or Jesus. Yeah. And so we're seeing this thing of, okay, well, as as like the leader of the group and, and trying to lead a group of people um, 
into a place with Jesus and into a kingdom um, of heaven, it's it's really it's it's so much more difficult than just saying, "Here's the gospel, here's everything, um, fall in love with Jesus," kind of yeah. thing. It's yeah. no, we have to literally deconstruct all the hurts, everything that we've heard. So it's like an extra layer to it. You're not just giving somebody the gospel; you're giving somebody a moment to have to deconstruct what they've heard, what they believe, what they've experienced to rebuild the true gospel now. And so kind of going back to that point um, of what Chris was talking about is that in the church, there's a lot of times where people are like, we want you to be like us. Again, scripturally, that's not wrong, but it's who are we trying to look at? Are we trying to be, hey, this is how we do things in our church. So you as a newcomer should be like us. Or is the real focus on, hey, we're all trying to follow Jesus. We want you to be more like Jesus. And I think that is a big driving force of when I talk to people and I'm like, hey, what's your experience with church? It's because people do this thing and it's just natural. I guess Christianity sometimes is when it's when humanity meets Christianity, we become our own Christ and you are going to exemplify me. Um, and you're going to act like our body and you're going to act like our people. But what happens if the church down the street acts a completely different way? So that's where the big issue is. And so you get all of these different opinions and different cultures and different like behaviors between multiple different churches. And then you throw somebody in there who's just, okay, I'm trying to find Jesus. And you get just, this is what our church does with Jesus. This is what our church does with Jesus. This is rather than this is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. And so I think that's where a lot of hurt comes in. And when people use that word, which I've heard it over and over again, I've been hurt by the church. You haven't been hurt by Jesus. You've been hurt by people who are attempting to take the mantle of Jesus and put their own selves in this is actually what we do rather than, hey, I'm trying to follow Jesus just as much as you are, and I'm trying to look for it as just as much as you are. So let's do that together. But no, we've got this pride of I've been following Christ for X amount of years. I know how to do it kind of thing. That's so That's a really yeah. solid perspective. Far yeah, that, it's, that's huge. That's huge because, you know, that is – I've been in ministry now almost 30 years, and I've heard over and over again people who say, you know, James, you're a really nice guy, and if I were going to come to church, I'd probably come to your church, but I've been burned too many times by the church. I don't want anything to do with that. And, and you know, I try to be sensitive to that because it's a real thing, but I also – I'm quick to say, listen – there are people who will hurt you. That's that's part of the risk of being in community. Absolutely. That's part of the risk of being in intimate relationships. Mm-hmm. But Jesus will never do that to you. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's that's so important. Claire, you probably can speak well, to that. And I think going off of everything that all of you have been saying, which I agree with all of your all's perspectives, um, I think the younger generation can really just whiff out if you're being genuine mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a lot of times we try and like put on this show of like, okay, these are all the things to do to be able to get to Jesus. And that just feels so phony and fake. And they can, they can weed it out. They're, they, they're like, no, that's not real. What they're seeking is something genuine and authentic. And that's what's attractional. So like when we're able to actually be honest and real and genuine about what we're going through and how how Jesus has tangibly changed my life. I asked someone that a few weeks ago. I said, they were arguing with me about something and I was like, cool, that's awesome. How has Jesus changed you? Like, 
seriously, give me one tangible way that you have been changed by the love of Jesus. And they couldn't give me anything. And I said, well, then your argument to me is it it falls flat because I want to know if if the if the thing is is being transformed into a new creation, how have you become a new creation? And I think the younger generation is seeking that. They they want it. And I think that they also I'm so um I tell people this all the time. I'm so encouraged by the younger generation because they genuinely want to love well. They want to love well, and they do it a lot of times through misguided ways, but they really want to love people well, and their hearts are, like, open, and I love that. I think that if we met them with something authentic, but that means that the people who do know Jesus, well, we've got to be willing to share with authenticity. We can't just be walking around and being, like, hiding beneath Jesus. We have to actually allow Jesus to transform us. Absolutely. I, you know, I'm sitting in the studio here with four people who are either Gen Xers or millennials. And I'm thinking, you know, I would trust all four of these people with anyone that I was trying to introduce to Christ. And I think that's so important that we listen to folks in your generation right now and even be willing to pass off people to you. Mm-hmm. Um, because people are watching us right now. They especially they want to know that we are who we say we are. They want to know that, you know, all this stuff yeah. that comes from the pulpit, all this stuff that comes out of devotionals they might read or yeah. um anything, even ministries, even even outside ministries of the church. They want to see those people be yeah. who they say they are as Christ followers. And uh it's it's and we might as well just call it. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough for all of us. There's not one of us in this room right now that is consistently exactly who we say we are as a Christ follower. We all have our Absolutely. our moments, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think sometimes that we're reluctant to share that, and that makes folks who we are trying to compel to come in think, well, I can't do that. So it's, it's like one extreme to the other. They see the hypocrisy mm-hmm. on one end, but on the other end, they see this act that we put on, and they don't want anything to do with either either end of the spectrum. Yeah, and, and they want to be heard. They want to mm-hmm. be listened to. Yep. And so if they're coming in struggling and we're just automatically giving them our values, our beliefs, all these things, without ever first listening to the person getting to know them, well, of course, they're going to be turned down. They're shut down in that moment. They're not heard anymore. And so where do they go? They go to circles of different kinds of people that are willing to listen to them. Maybe they don't have the love of Jesus within that that circle, but they're willing to listen. And so they feel more loved in that circle than they do within the church. And it's because we shut them down in their, their first you know attempt at trying to share. And that's really vulnerable and courageous to do especially coming into a church where you have this fear of being judged. Yeah. So if they're if they're courageous enough to walk in a church, man, the least we could do is just listen. Yeah. Yeah. So Jimmy, tell me this. What are what are the, some ways that you're ministering to college students right now that that they're coming out of our ministry here at Centenary. They're walking away from it saying this is the real deal. This is the real deal. And and I know that we don't always do it perfectly, but I think right now I'm I'm as close as I've ever been in my ministry to seeing some 
college and young adult ministries that are the real deal. They're, it's the real thing. And uh, we're I'm seeing growth in a community. It's more than just hanging out with people. Um, the hanging out is a good thing, and it's a great thing, community and fellowship, all that stuff. That's important. But the growth is happening at the same time. And, and how would you say that's happening right now, at least in what you're doing? I think for me, uh, it's kind of something that Claire talked about earlier about what like the younger generation want to see, they want to see the real you, you know, they don't want to see a fake Christian. They don't want to see anything like that. And I think that Claire and I, we've done such a great job of being as real as we can with them. You know, like we, it's something that Claire shared when I first started here of just like, you know, would I like, would I be doing the same thing in front of my students? Like if I was doing it behind closed doors, you know, and like that, that like stuck with me a lot. And I think that, while I was doing that, like the students that I have that comes to college, they see that. And when we have our discussions, we're in a living room and we're breaking bread with each other and we're just talking about real life things and things that matters. And, you know, we talk about, you know, what what does career look like for our lives? And, you know, how does God come into those careers? How does God come into marriages? How does God come into relationships? And how can I live out a relationship like Christ? Um, and I think that's what, that's what's like bringing them to, to that place of just like vulnerability. And I mean, there's been times where like <laughs> I would be able to teach, you know, or, you know, do the lesson or just have an open discussion, but I couldn't do it because like the conversation between them, like face to face was going so long because they were getting so deep and vulnerable mm-hmm. with each other. And I think that starts off, and this is not to toot my horn or Claire's horn at all. I think that's just the Holy Spirit working and just showing like, hey, listen, this is what needs to be done, you know, for us to be as close as we need to be, for us to live like Christ. Like we want, we need to be vulnerable and real with one another. Yeah. You know, we say all the time we want to be more like Christ, but it cannot happen without vulnerability and intimacy. Um, you can't, you just, it, it can't happen. And, and that's what we're afraid of so often is that vulnerability and intimacy. And, um, and I do, I, I'm glad you, I'm glad you explained it that way. Cause that's exactly what I'm seeing in, in our young adult college youth ministries right now, student ministries. It's just, it's just unbelievable to me. The realness that I do pick up on when I'm around you guys and I watch you guys in ministry. So that's, that's what it's all about. You know, I, I, if you're listening today, I just want you to know that what you're hearing from these folks on the program is that, um, is that we have a responsibility as Christ followers. And I think this is probably one of the most important, uh, episodes I've done so far. You know, last, last episode we had Matthew Sleeth with us and Matthew's done a lot of research and work. Um, on suicide and the church and suicides in Christian community. And uh, one of the questions I, I asked him was, why is it that, you know, we're seeing this shift in, in the demographic? It, it's going younger and younger uh, with suicide. And, uh, and I said to him, you know, I think it's probably 18 to 40 um, is the demographic that we're seeing males, 18 to 40 year old males. That's where we're seeing folks attempt and even complete suicide. And he said, correction, it's actually 12 to 13 to 40. So, and he said, you know, he, he, he had just worked with a, a community that had a, 
a 10, 11, 12, and 13-year-old in a matter of weeks all commit suicide, and they were successful. Mm-hmm. What's happening with that? Well, I, I so one of the things that for the younger generation um, is – the multiple platforms of social media. I think that's a big part of this. Um, I actually was um, uh, reading this this uh, this research paper um, on Facebook, and it was it was essentially saying that you know more and more teenagers feel depression, feel anxiousness, feel you know these these tendencies towards suicide because of social media. Um, you got to understand that for some of these these uh, what do you call them? Gen X millennials, um, social media, they, they gravitate towards it because in some cases it's a safe space and some other cases, not really, because when you're online, you can create the persona to be anything and whoever you want to be. So how often do we get on Facebook and we scroll through and we yeah. think to ourselves, man, why doesn't my life look like that? How come I'm not taking 17 vacations a year? How come she gets to go on that cruise? And, you know, people feel those negative effects. And and at times they just think to themselves, man, like, is my life worthless? Because I don't have that because I don't live that way. Now, when you're young, you don't realize that you're seeing somebody's highlight reel. That's all you're seeing. You're not seeing someone's day to day life. You're seeing a highlight reel. And so I think with more platforms that seem to be created all the time, people are looking for, which everyone here has kind of talked about, a place to express themselves. They're going to use social media to do that. If they can't get it in the church, they're going to find some place. And the problem, I think, with technology is that oftentimes we've seen that Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all these things aren't always necessarily the safest place. So that's where we as leaders need to step up and be authentic, like like Jimmy was saying, and have more conversations on these issues because they do affect this this current generation. Yeah, and I'm interested to know what some of you guys who are ministering to to these young people consistently, what are you telling them? What are you doing with them around social media? Because it's a double-edged sword. Here's the thing. We know that it's really it's tough on their, their psyches. It's tough on their emotional growth. It's tough on their spiritual lives, social media. But at the same time, all of you guys in this room really depend on it mm-hmm. to, to communicate with them. So, so how, it, yeah. it's just tough. Um, so last year during the pandemic, Jimmy and I caught ourselves um, being on social media, telling kids to get off social media. <laughs> yeah. And we were yeah. like, wait, exactly. wait a second. Hold on. What are we saying here? And I had we had this moment for a couple couple weeks, honestly, maybe even a couple months. But we were like, should we just delete all of our social media? I was like, really? Have we actually sat down before the father and asked him, are we supposed to be present on this? I mean, it's like we just kind of jumped on the culture train and we're like, okay, well, that's what they're doing. So we're going to do it. And we were like, well, wait a second. Maybe this isn't actually what we're supposed to be doing. And so we had lots of meetings um, and we were like, you know, ministries have existed for years and years before us without the presence of social media. Let's recognize that the culture is shifting. Well, has shifted. Um, It's a part of who they are. But is this what God's asking us to do? Because we could exist without it. I mean, we could communicate through 
other ways. And if we're really telling our students to get on it, then why are we inviting them to come see us on it if we really think that it's that negative? And so anywho, we really had to unpack and we had to figure out, okay, if we're going to be on there, it's got to be missional. We've got to be focused. I and mean, I, I don't just want to be throwing information at them all the time because they're seeing, I mean, we maybe get like three seconds of their attention span as they're scrolling through Instagram or TikTok or whatever. Like we get three seconds. And so if we're going to be on there, okay, A, it, it needs to be purposeful. It needs to have like some real um, connection to our mission and our values and our purpose of why we're um, going in. It's, it's one of the darkest places like we've just talked about. However, um, I do think that we need to be present, but we can't just be present um, because, you know, it's easy to communicate. I don't think that's a good a good enough reason to be present. I mean, heck, let's just send something in the mail. Like, I mean, they'll, they'll put it on their on their fridge. Like, let's do that. But if we're going to be on it, let's be purposeful while we're on it, because that's again, like I said at the beginning, that's part of their that's part of their time. And I also want to jump off just I know this is a little bit of a segue, but something that Chris said earlier not only is it their highlight reel, but students are receiving, and young adults, all of us, we're receiving our value and our our worth through likes and being seen. Like one of our basic human desires is being fully known and fully seen and fully loved. And so we're seeking that. And you can, social media provides this way for us to immediately, um, through TikTok, I mean, you can become famous in a matter of, matter of, you know, hours and you're famous. Um, you know, on Instagram, you can compare yourself to likes for all, all your friends and, and, and see their comments and all those things. We're wanting to be known, but to me, it's, it's kind of, I mean, that part of it is sad, but it's also encouraging because it reveals this like basic desire of our hearts to be known by our father. I mean, students can see that clearly. I'll make that connection to them. I'm like, okay, you're feeling insecure because you didn't go viral on TikTok and your friend did. Okay, what is that pointing to? Why do you have that desire in your heart? Where does that come from? No one told you that you wanted to be loved, right? Okay, so why do we all have it? And so it provides a lot of cool opportunity for some further pointing back to the heart of God and how we're wired. I so. think so too. I think so too. That's that's great. Well, I wanted to ask mic. you too. Um, yeah, you can do the mic drop now. <laughs> you can catch it. <laughs> I want to also address this because I think it's really important, and I want you guys to be really honest about this, and and don't don't dance around this because I'm a preacher. I really want to hear what you guys think. Um, you know, there's there's not anything wrong with. Uh, the current way of of sermons and biblical teaching, I think you know one of the best ways to do that is to stand in front of a group of people and proclaim it. You know that's what Jesus did. That's what people have been doing for you know hundreds and thousands of years, and um, and it really is it really is important communication that can happen in that mass setting. Um. But one of the things I struggle with as a as a preacher is becoming a talking head. And I think about that a lot. I think, okay, have I been doing this so long now and do I know this stuff so thoroughly that I'm kind of just I'm just a, a talking head. And and what I'm hearing and I'd like to hear what you guys think about this, especially young adults, especially millennials and Gen Xers, that's that that's our that's our label we're talking about right now. 
they really want dialogue though, not just monologue. It, it, is is I, am I accurate in that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, how we do our our get our weekly gatherings for the well is that um, everybody's positioned at um, different tables. Um, so it's very discussion based. So um, I or somebody else will be teaching that night, and we do a teaching style called three on three off, where we do three and eight ten minute segments of teaching, and after every single one of those, there's some kind of prompt, some kind of discussion um, to get people talking. Oftentimes. I don't think there's anything wrong with a talking a person. Um, I think there is very, 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 very uh, helpful and insightful. Um, what am I trying to say here? Uh, ways. To, there's a lot of gr- good things that you can gain from listening to somebody who has studied the scriptures. I mean, that it, it's, that's known all over. That's how the original disciples and then they appointed somebody else because, you know, they grew up with, with them and they learned the scriptures and they learned um, who Jesus was and these stories back to back to back. Um, and so there, there's a value, there's huge value in people knowing the scriptures. Um, that's why things like seminary and, and higher education is really valuable in some aspects because um, you really do get to sit and study the scriptures. Um, and going back to Claire's point of like, yeah, people in these generations can tell real from fake in a second. And so if somebody is just trying to, you know, just go throughout their way of, of explaining different concepts versus somebody who really has sat with these things. And you don't need a seminary degree to be able to preach the word. You don't need um, all that education, but you can tell when somebody's actually sat with the scriptures or not. Mm-hmm. And you can tell when somebody's really sit and they understand who this guy Jesus is, because if he really is alive, you can sit with him, like not just Amen. knowledge, you Definitely. can sit with him. And if I'm sitting here with you or Jimmy or Chris or Claire, I'm going to get to know everything on their minds and I'll be able to recite what they think and how they feel about things off of my own inside of them. And so I think there is very, very big value in that. I think the issue is, is that people, at least my generation, do want to talk. And it's not out of a thing of, well, I have insight to give because this is, you know, my thoughts and all this, is that I just don't think there's necessarily a space in Sunday morning church service for people to piece together. And I don't think that dialogue is out of a a stance of, well, I need to share my perspective now so that you know where I'm coming from. I think it's more so, hey, I'm trying to figure this out myself. I want to talk about it. But if I'm just listening and absorbing and I don't have anybody to talk about that with, well, then I'm just kind of in this limbo state. And I mean, scriptures all over talk about or two or more gathered. I think there's beauty in groups. Um, the Bereans, they study scripture um, and then talk. Like It's just all over scripture that uh, the Acts church, they got together, they had meals, they listened to the apostles, but then they would go back and eat dinner together. And I'm assuming they're talking about it. You're not just going to eat dinner and be absolutely silent. That's weird. But <laughs> there's just value in that dialogue. And yeah, I don't think it is from the aspect of, well, I need yeah. to make sure my perspective is known and heard. Sure. I think it really is. There's a lot of people who just want to piece these things together. Yeah. And, and they, and there's, yeah. There's people, there's people in, in every ministry represented here that are doing just that. 
they're they're chomping at the bit to have these conversations. They want to talk this out. They don't want to just sit there and be preached at for however long. They want to actually engage in this. And so, Spencer, to your point, like we see this in the well every week. And I know you guys are seeing it in in the, the student ministry and the college ministry where these people that are coming in, they're not coming there to sit. They're coming there to participate yeah. and they want to be involved in it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a huge uh, thing uh, that we have to work with is that they want to work through these things. So mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. Yeah, that's good stuff. And I, t- I tell you, the reason I actually pulled this episode together, I kept thinking about it. I couldn't get it off my mind is because I like to listen to podcasts and I've often looked for a podcast that would talk to me about the church and how we reach this generation, how we reach millennials, how we reach Gen Xers and how it's different. What are their expectations? What are they looking for? Mm-hmm. And you can go and you can, you can uh, go on Apple, go on iTunes and uh, the podcast platform there. You can Google this yourself. If you try to pull anything like that up, you'll get some things, but it's usually guys about my age sitting around trying to say, this is what's going on out there. This is what we need to do. And um, seriously, I, 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 I could not find one that actually had a panel like this of people who are actually living this life day to day. And I thought, that's that's crazy. That, that's crazy. And actually, uh, I listened to one and the guy came on and he was like, today we have a plethora of information about what's going on with millennials and Gen Xers and the church. And, um, and I thought, man, we could do better than this. We've got to start listening to these folks. And so that's why I'm excited about what we're doing here today. Were you going to say something, Claire? Yeah. Um as both Chris and Spencer were talking, I kept thinking about the phrase, um, I think this is from Young Life, but earning the right to be heard. Um, I think a lot of times we start with talking. And um, a lot of times, so you were talking about like the, you know, the Axe Church and eating together and breaking bread together. And I think what they were doing there is not only, I mean, obviously they're building community, but they're doing life together. And they're they're saying that I'm not just talking the talk, I'm walking the walk, I'm doing life with you. Mm-hmm. They're earning the right to be heard. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have that relational capital yeah, to trust. be able to, yeah, and build that time and trust, mm-hmm. which provides that that uh, intimacy to be able to have permission to speak into someone's life. You can speak into anyone's life. Are you going to be heard and received well? Probably not if you're just talking at them. But if you're with them yeah. and you're showing them love and hanging out and just inviting them into your life. But see, a lot of times what we want is we're like, I, I'm i observing from afar that you're not doing the things that I think you should be doing. So here's all the things that you're doing wrong. And they just start talking at you. But you've never even had a meal with them. You've never invited them into your home. You've never gone to see what their day-to-day life looks like or ask them, what mm. what do you do You know, on a day-to-day? You have no idea who they are. So we can't just be speaking into their life without first earning that right to be heard through relational capital. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's funny that, and I've sat here and I've been like, oh, every time somebody speaks, I'm like, we could have ended right there with a mic drop. And I'm like, there's no way in the world that we're going to get another one. And then somebody else speaks and you're just like, Okay. Yeah. That mic drop that mic. Yeah. I mean, we've done this probably like 12 times and I'm I'm thoroughly impressed. Yeah. 
Yeah, Thoroughly that's good impressed. Stuff. That's good stuff. <laughs> well, it, all right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wind this down here in just a minute. But I don't I don't want to do that without giving you guys an opportunity to to if you could leave us with one thing about ministry to young people in just this generation, what would it be? Absolutely. It's, it's a way of life. You can't pretend to come to church and care about the next generation and then go home and do your own thing and, and just keep it completely separate. It's a way of life. It's inviting them into your home, inviting them into the way that you do things. Um, there's no separation of it. It's just who you are. I have our leaders will ask all the time, like, you know, how do I do this? How do I how do I make sure that I'm discipling my students? And they they get so stressed out with their, you know, I'll, I'll see them. They're like, I've got work and I volunteer and I, you know, I'm in school. I do this. I do this. And they're like, how do I do this? And I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa. it's not like you carve out an hour to be able to disciple. That's not how it works. You you disciple by just being together. I'm like, just invite them with you. Like, there, it. Let's not allow um, discipleship and ministry to feel invasive. This yeah. this isn't invasive. This is just a way of life. There's no yeah. So that that would be mine. That that ministry is a way of life. Thanks, Claire. What else? I would say. You know, look no further than Jesus and how his relationship with the disciples, you know, as this thing was, was getting started. And, you know, I love, I love uh, what Spencer was saying a, a minute ago about, um, and Claire too, about doing life together. So I think a big part of this is listen and, and understand. And, and we've talked about this in, in the well a few times, but you never know what God is doing in a person. Right. So this isn't the the time or the place to be judgmental or or kind of look at somebody and say, you know, if you were doing it this way, you'd be better off or whatever. But really engaging and listening to uh, our our up and coming generation and and our present generation, because not only do they want to be heard and they want to be engaged, but but I think in in more ways than many of us even really understand, they're hungry Mm -hmm. like they are so hungry. And so the way in which we feed them isn't going to be lectures. It's going to be doing life together. So that's something that I think we really need to be, uh, you know, working towards and making sure that we are creating those safe spaces, those sacred spaces uh, for these engagements and ultimately this transformation to take place. So that's what I would say. Yeah. Anything? (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah i think uh, a couple of things come to mind number one it's been bugging me all podcast long but in the very beginning i literally yeah. said the sound of music was made in the 40s <laughs> when i looked it up and it wasn't didn't come out till 65 so any really person any there. person who is just listening who's like this kid is dumb I correct myself. <laughs> Sound of Music was not made in the 40s. Um, I, so I know. Uh, I'm going to be so... <laughs> I mean, I'm apologizing on myself and everybody. For the younger generation, um, I'd simply say that the world is fake and empty. Um, and you're going to figure that out every time you try and do something. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's real is Jesus. Mm-hmm. He is a guy who lived a long time ago. He's not a fairy tale. He's not just a bit of history. He's the only person who successfully came back from the dead by himself and is 
currently alive. He's as real as we are in this room right now. Um, And the second you meet him, man, your life, it changes forever. Um, So meet Jesus, meet him, like him, himself. Uh, And then for the older folks listening, um, attempt to relate. I think there's just this big divide that culture says that young people don't want anything to do with older people. Mm -hmm. That's not true at all. all. The only thing that gets in the way of that is when there is this, oh, well, you are so different than me. I'm going to try and impose myself onto you. Like, oh, you're so young. Like, man, the amount of times that that is not, it's, it's unintentionally said, but just this way of like, oh, man, you don't get it because you're so young or back in my day kind of thing. It's a great line. But at the same time, it just comes across so unintentionally hurtful. And it does. It can get, you know, irritating in that aspect. But, mm-hmm. man, if attempt to relate, there's a ton of young people who who truly do value wisdom and they truly do value life experience. It's just sometimes that's muddied and sometimes that's swept into a negative light because it, it comes out from this perspective of looking down. So attempt to relate. I, 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 there's so much, so much beauty. I think that could come from that. If there was this attempt to, man, I'm just going to go be myself and attempt to relate to this younger person and find some kind of, it'll, it'll happen. I promise. It It always does. Makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. I think for me, one of the things I heard the great philosopher said um, growing up, don't be fake. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't know who that was, but whoever it was, it was a great philosopher. That's a great philosopher. Great philosopher. Insightful, (laughs) deep. Yeah, yeah. It's a very deep. Keep spitting truth, Don't be fake. I I think (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that the reason I say that is because Jesus was never fake at all. That's right. And he's the That's realest right. that you'll ever come by. And I think if you look at his life and how he was with his disciples, I heard this when we went to our new room conference of just mm-hmm. like the disciples was probably one of the worst, probably is the worst small group that you would probably ever see. Like none of them really got along outside of that, but they came together on one accord and they wanted to live out the truth. And that truth was the gospel and they lived it out with love and they accepted everybody, no matter who it was, even when they did question yeah. Jesus, like Jesus, what are you doing with, with those people? Like, Oh, are they not better? Like, what is like, you know what I mean? Like, how can you compare? So I think that like when you living out this life of, of the Christ life, like don't be fake about anything, be real of who you are. Yeah. Um, and I know we talked about it earlier too, of just like the older generation of it, or Christians just accepting anybody who, for who they are. Like, do that. You know, that's what mm-hmm. Jesus does. Yeah. Do do that. Like, just yeah. accept them. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, I just really appreciate all of you for giving us this time today. And uh, one of my visions, this is one of my personal visions for Centenary. Um, I want us to be a church that provides resources. I want us to be a church that really um, sets the pace, sets the pace. And so one way uh, I want to do that today is I want you all to give your uh, 
we talked about social media and we did I think we all agree that there are good things about social yes. media. So I want you all to give uh, your social media contacts cuz if there's anyone that wants to talk to you all, I know you all would be interested in talking to other youth leaders or church leaders or pastors and just saying, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" because I'm telling you if you're listening today, um, a lot of good things are happening here and it's because of this this group sitting in front of me. So uh, Jimmy, if someone wants to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Yeah, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, my Facebook, I do have Facebook. Uh, it is Jimmy Roper, it's J-I-M-M-I-E, uh, Roper, <laughs> R-O-P-E, yeah, I-E. Uh, I know a lot of people like to put the Y. And, yeah, don't get that twisted. Yeah, and it's not James, it's Jimmy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, Instagram, uh, it's Jimmyer underscore three, so it's Jimmy R underscore three. Uh, that's my Instagram, and if you want to email me. Uh, it's Jimmy at LexChurch.com. Uh, I don't want to give my I don't want to give out my cell phone number. No, don't do yeah, that. I ain't gonna do that. Don't do that. <laughs> my social security number is yeah. definitely don't want to do that. Bank account, everything. Uh, this is Spencer speaking. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me, uh, I'm on Facebook as well. I, MySpace. I, I did have. Did you have a MySpace? I, I, oh, I love my MySpace. Did you have a MySpace? I didn't, but I did have Webkins. Uh, <laughs> Webkins. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, sorry, reeling it back in. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Spencer Barrios, B A R R I O S. Um, Instagram is. I think it, no, it's Spencer Barry. Spencer underscore Barry. It was Spinny B, but now it's Spencer underscore Barrios. You grew More up perfect. with that. Yeah, you have to grow up at some point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and email is Spencer at lexlexchurch.com. You can find me, Claire Hart, on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Right? Those are all my things. Yes. Um, Facebook, Claire Hart. Um, Oh, H-A-R-T. And Claire is C-L-A-I-R-E. <laughs> and um, it's um, Claire Hearts U2. U is spelled out, and it's the number two. My husband's Ben Hearts U, and then I'm Claire Hearts U2. It's pretty punny. Um, and then <laughs> and then uh, that's the same for TikTok. And then my email is also Claire at LexChurch.com. Yeah, all these all these guys, um, Jimmy, Spencer, Claire, Chris, you just put their name there and then at LexChurch.com. That's all. They'll get your emails. What about you, Chris? And that's it. Oh, no. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you don't get a turn. <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, Chris Sparks, you can also find me on Facebook as well. Um, I'm not really. For me personally, I, I would prefer the human interaction. I will not give you my cell phone number here, but if you email me at Chris.Sparks at LexChurch.com. Let's connect. And I'd be glad to take you out and do a cup of coffee with you. So good deal. Good deal. All right. Thanks everybody. God bless you. And thanks for listening today. And I appreciate so much you tuning in and uh, we do love you all out there. We're praying for all of our listeners and we do want to come together as a community. So until our next episode, keep praying, keep walking the faith, keep living it out. And we'll see you next time. Live it out. Faith and the 21st century is a production of Centenary Church in Lexington, Kentucky. Join lead pastor James Williams each week as we engage Christian leaders around the world. Be sure to subscribe today and leave a review of our podcast. To connect with us further, visit our website at LexChurch.com. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to joining you next week. Until then, love one another and 
live it out.